Good morning. I want to welcome you. I want to take this opportunity to welcome everybody who's watching online. I want to thank you so much for coming. If you're a guest here today, I especially want to welcome you. And uh, I just want to invite you that immediately following our service here, right out in the grand foyer there at our guest services, we've got some information. We've got a gift for you. And it's just our way of saying we're so glad you're here. And we know that you have lots of decisions to make in life. And maybe one of the decisions you're trying to make right now is do yourself, do you see yourself here at Central Community? And I just want to say, I hope you do. And we just want to give you the information that you need so that you can make a good decision. Wow, what an incredible time of worship that we've had this morning, right? But one of the things too, one of the things that I want to say is that this morning, Pastor Phil had you get up and go and greet somebody. Hopefully you were greeting somebody you didn't know. I want you to know that in our worship meeting this week, we talked about that. And there's a reason behind why we're doing this. You see, we want you to get, know peop- to, get to know people that you didn't know before. But more so, there's another reason why we're doing it. You see, I want you to be aware that there are things that our people are going through here that you have no idea There are people in this room that have lost a daughter, a son. There are people in here that have just gotten a a health scare this week. There are people in here that are celebrating anniversaries. There are people in here who are celebrating birthdays. But what I want you to know is that it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody that's here has a story. And here's my goal. My goal is for you to take your eyes off yourself and put them on Jesus so that he can show you because today you may be the touch that somebody needs from their heavenly father. And if you're not even open to that because you're so bogged down with the things that are going on in your life, you can't be used. You see, that's how we work together. That's how we partner together in the gospel. Now, there's a word that the Lord has given to me as I came out, and the word was simply this. Today, salvation has come to this place. One of the lessons that I've learned over life, and it hasn't been an easy lesson to learn, And I will tell you that Galatians 6 verse 7 sums it up for me better than anything. And this is the message. Do not be deceived, Bob. God cannot be mocked. Did you hear that? Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You know, we we serve a God of second chances, don't we? But have you ever asked the question, why is it that some people get a second chance and others don't? So let me show you what I mean. Now, some of you know who this is. Others of you may not. In fact, I told first service, there'll probably be a lot of people in second service that just said that's a lady who has a pimple on her face. (laughs) But what I want you to know, okay, this is Marilyn Monroe, okay? And I'm gonna go through these, and I just want you to listen to this just for a minute, okay? Marilyn Monroe was was a signal, a sign of what the American dream looked like. And here's what I mean. She had great fame. She had great wealth. And she had great money. Did I say that? Fame, wealth, Uh uh-huh. Now, here's what I want you to understand. She also had great beauty. 
One day, Billy Graham went to see her. When he showed up, he asked if he could visit with her. She was on the set, and afterwards, he had a conversation with her. And in that conversation, Billy Graham said to her, Marilyn, I want you to know that the Spirit of the living God told me to come and talk to you. And guess what he did? He shared with her the gospel. This was her response. Thank you very much, but I don't need your Jesus. A week later, she was found dead in her bedroom. John Lennon. John Lennon was the co-founder of the famous group, The Beatles, the group that changed music forever, okay? It is said that he made the statement, I'm okay with Jesus, but we're more popular than he is. Two years later, that band broke up, and we all know that John Lennon was murdered. Tancredo Neves, you know who that is? He's the president of Brazil. Before the election, he was quoted in saying, if I get 500,000 votes, even God can't remove me from office. He got the 500,000 votes, but the day before he took office, he got sick and he died. Andrew Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo made the statement, I, my administration is responsible for the numbers in the pandemic coming down. Not the doctors, not the government, and not God, but me. Well, you kind of see what's happened in his life. Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin just recently won an Emmy. When she came up on stage to get the Emmy, she grabbed the Emmy and she held it out up high for everybody to see. And then this is what she said. I want you to know that there is no one who has less to do with me winning this award than Jesus. This is my God now. Brad Pitt, Katy Perry, Madonna, all of these famous people have turned their backs on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the message that I want you to hear this morning. Our God is a God of second chances, but no one is ever guaranteed a second chance. I want to say that again. Our God is a God of second chances, but no one is ever guaranteed a second chance. If you're here today and you're breathing, you got a second chance. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. As I read from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14, listen to these words. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. 
Father, I never want to take advantage of your grace and your mercy. So help me first to hear your voice and then give me the courage and the strength to do what you've told me to do. Obey. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So you remember that last week when we started the message, we started the verse before, and remember it was, and a great fish swallowed Jonah. Well, we're going to do the same thing this week. We're going to be, we're focusing on Jonah chapter 3, but we're going to start out with Jonah chapter 2, 10. And Jonah chapter 2, verse 10 says, and the great fish vomited Jonah up on dry land. Okay? So I want you to just rethink about this right now. So where is Jonah? He's just been regurgitated by a big fish and he's on dry land. We don't know exactly where that dry land was. Commentators would disappear about that, but I want to tell you what I believe, where I think he was. I think that God brought him through the fish, and again, that's the miracle. The miracle, once again, is that God commanded a fish, and the fish vomited Jonah up on the dry land, and I believe that the place that he vomited him on dry land was Joppa. And I'll tell you why. Because I've learned in my life that when God has given me something to do and I have been disobedient, he always takes me back to the place of disobedience. And there I get the second chance to make the decision right. My friends, are you here today because God has brought you back to the very place where it all began? And now God has commanded you. He's given you something to do. And now the question is, a second time, will you be obedient now? Well, let's watch this. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I love this phrase. It's almost verbatim what God said to Jonah in chapter 1. But the difference is, is now we learn God is a God of second chances. Amen? And aren't you glad of that? How many of you have had a second chance before? How many of you had a third or a fourth or a fifth or a thousandth chance, right? But I want you to understand something. That's the story of the Bible, people, right? The story of the Bible is that we we serve a God of second chances, Jonah gets a second chance. He gets a do-over is what we used to call. He gets a new beginning, and people love new beginnings. I want you to think about something. Think about people in the Bible that got do-overs. Think about people like Adam, people like Abraham, people like Noah, people like Joseph, like Jacob, like Isaac, like Peter, like the Apostle Paul, right? They all got second chances. But for a moment, let's go back to Peter a while. I love Peter. I can relate to Peter. So let me ask you a question. When you think of Peter, and I'm talking about the Apostle Peter, the one who is the head of the disciples, what comes to your mind? Does what comes to your mind is when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God? Does what comes to your mind is when he got out of the boat and said, Lord, let me come to you, and he started walking on water for a little while? What comes to your mind? We all know, right? It's when he betrayed his Savior, right? It's when he denied that he even knew Jesus. I want to ask you, how would you like to be known 
for your sin. Would that not be horrible? Oh, yeah, that's Pastor Bob. Yeah, he's, yeah, you know what I mean? That would be horrible. But yet, out of all the things that Peter did, on the Mount of Transfiguration, preached the greatest sermons, and yet he's known for when he denied knowing Jesus. Well, let me show you something about Peter, okay? If we go into the book of Matthew, and we're going to go there in just a second, in Matthew chapter 16, there's a scenario that's going on, and here's the scenario, okay? Jesus and his disciples are with a bunch of people, and he's teaching them, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees come upon them. And you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to trap Jesus. And so what they do is they ask Jesus a question, and the question they ask us is, prove to us who you are. That's the question. We want to know if you really are who you say that you are. Now, Jesus knew that he didn't want, they didn't want to know who he was so they could praise him. They wanted him to fall into a trap so that they could persecute him. Now, watch what happens here. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. Jesus left them and went away. So they're asking Jesus for a sign, and Jesus says, nope, not going to get one. Oh, yeah, I'll give you one. It's going to be the sign of Jonah. Well, what was the sign of Jonah? Three days and three nights, okay, in the tomb. So basically, Jesus was saying, when I'm raised from the dead, guess what? Then you will see the sign of Jonah. That's what he told them, all right? All right, now, I want to go a little bit deeper now in the same chapter. They're in Caesarea. Caesarea is is north of the Sea of Galilee. This is the place, if you remember, when we were doing the series on Revelation, this is the place where Caesar Augustus was considered God, okay? And so what happens? Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? Now watch this. Jesus replied, okay, Simon Peter has just said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and by blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but here we are in Matthew chapter 16, and twice Jesus has referred to Jonah. And he says to Peter, and we know that his father's name was John, he says, Simon, son of Jonah. Why in the world would Jesus call him Simon, son of Jonah? In fact, in some of the models or some of the different verses, it says Simon, son of Bar-Jonah, Okay. Now, here's what I want you to remember, okay? Both Peter and Jonah have something in common. Jonah fled the presence of Jesus, and, or excuse me, and Peter denied that he even knew Jesus, and yet both of them got a second chance. I wonder if there ever was a time in Peter's life Later on, after Jesus had gone back to heaven, where he thought to himself, now I understand why Jesus referred to me as Simon, son of Jonah. Now let's take it a little bit deeper, okay? Let's go to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, Peter is at home, and another man by the name of Cornelius is a, is a, is a, he's the commander of, a, of an Italian regiment, and both of them are hearing a vision from God. God is saying to Peter through this vision, he's telling him, 
do not call anything unclean that I have called clean. Cornelius, on the other hand, this Gentile has heard a vision, and God has said to him, I want you to send for a man named Peter. Now, watch what happens here. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three o'clock in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. Do you see what just happened here? Both Simon Peter and Jonah got their call to preach to the Gentiles in the same place. Has to be a coincidence, right? No. It's always God working behind the scenes so that you can hear his message loud and clear. All right, now, hang with me. Now, the, now God comes to Jonah, he says, go to the, city, the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now, this is where we see a little bit of a difference here. In the very first chapter, God says, I want you to go and to preach against it. But here, he says, I want you to proclaim to it. What's the difference here? What, what, what happened here? And what was it that Jonah was supposed to proclaim? What does the Bible tell us? God told Jonah, I want you to proclaim the message that I give to you. Now, here's the shift. My friends, the focus changes. You see, God wants us to know that the emphasis is never on the messenger. It's on the message, and what is the message? The message is God's word. Do you understand that? So here's what the Bible's telling us. God has a specific word for the people at Nineveh, right? But what I wanna ask you, and do you realize God also has a specific word for the people at Central Community? Do you believe that? Or maybe let's go one step farther. I believe that God has a message for you today. Do you believe that? Here's the deal. For you to believe that, you have to be obedient so that you can hear and recognize the voice of God. I remember it was too long ago when we went to South Dakota and, and we'd go up there, it's just our time to get away. It's kind of my spiritual retreat. I go, to, I go to a place, and it's a cemetery. My grandparents are buried there. It's a very small cemetery. I can see the, the, the home where I grew up in many of the times with my grandparents. And I go there, and every time I go there, it was a Monday morning. It was about 6.30 in the morning. I said, okay, Lord, I'm here in this place because I need a word from you. I have got to have a word from you. And I spend a little time in worship, and then I open my devotions, and my devotion, no kidding, on the devotion was ways God speaks to us. Well, that got my attention. 
And so I began to read through, and in that, that devotion, it talked about God speaks to you in many ways. Sometimes he speaks through a voice. Sometimes he speaks through an, an impression. But most of the time, he speaks through nature. He speaks through the birds. He speaks through the sun. All of those declare that he is God. Okay, now, here's what I want you to know. There's a bird that has become very important in my life, and it's called a morning dove. And whenever I hear that morning dove, I always go back to Wentworth, South Dakota, because that's what I identify with, with Wentworth, South Dakota. As I'm reading this, and I hear God talking to you through the singing of the birds, I hear those morning doves, and I'm going, aha, he's speaking to me. I closed my book, and I just listened to them for a while. So then I went on to my next devotion, and my next devotion was about branches. Now, just think about this for a moment. I was in a cemetery that the year before had had this, this big straight wind that gone through it. I think it was called a drachma or something. It was a 100-mile-an-hour straight wind. It uprooted many of these trees that were more than 200 years old. I remember the year before, there were graves that were sticking out of the ground because the trees had uprooted these graves. Well, since that time, they had been repairing that, and they'd been going trimming branches, Okay. So I'm reading this devotion, and now it's about branches. And here's what it says. It says, in our life, when we see broken branches, what do we do? We try and cut them off. We try and get rid of them because they're an eyesore. But that's not what God does. God looks at us as broken branches, and what does he do? He grafts us back into the vine. And no kidding, I know look up, and right before me is this huge branch broken right in front of me. The guy who takes care of, the, sec- of, the, of the, the cemetery drives up next to me, and I go, man, you've done a great job. And he goes, yeah, all except that branch. He said, I cannot get that branch cut down. And I said to him, I said, you know why? Because that branch was for me. My friends, God is speaking to us. And when we listen to him and our hearts are open to receive that word from him, he will speak. But then it always matters is what will you do with what God has given you? What's your response? Don't just say, oh, I heard a word, now I'm good. No, hear the word and then be obedient to it. So the Bible says Jonah got the word a second time and now he makes his way to Nineveh, that great city. So he's got this 500 mile journey and the Bible tells us that God would give him the message. This is a message for the people in Nineveh. So Jonah gets there. He's got the message now. Now the Bible says he travels a day into the city and he delivers the message. What's the message? Here's the message. 40 days, 40 more days, and the city of Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. Eight words. 40 more days, and the city of Nineveh will be overthrown. I know some of you are thinking right now, I wish Pastor Bob would preach an eight-word sermon. (laughs) But that's the message. And from that message, everything began to get turned around. All right, now, I want you to hear real quickly what the people would have heard. Forty more days, and the city of Nineveh will be overthrown. That word overthrown, if you're looking in your Bible, circle that word, and here's why. Remember last week I told you how the word swallow had a dual meaning. It meant both judgment and salvation. And the same thing is true about this word overthrown. 
because it means overthrown, but it also means overturned. So the people who would have been listening to this, this is what they've heard. 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown slash overturned. In other words, the people would be thinking, and I'm quoting the movie Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying we have a chance, (laughs) right? Isn't that true, though? That's what the people would have heard. Now, remember, these are the Assyrians, the people that didn't just defeat their enemies, they slaughtered them. Now, the other thing is, real quickly, is that 40 days. Where have you heard that in the Bible before, that 40 days? Well, think about it. It rained 40 days and 40 nights for Noah, right? Think about it this. How long was Moses up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments? Forty days while they were building a calf. That forty days means judgment. Now, watch what happens here. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Okay, let's look at those first four words, okay? The Ninevites believed God. It does not say they believed Jonah. It says they believed God. It is never about the messenger. It's never about the pastor. It is always about the Word of God. And the Word of God, if we were to sit here and just read the Word of God, the Word of God is powerful enough to make the changes that God wants to make in each of our lives. The people believed God. Now, here's one thing that I would just ask, based on my message from last week, I wonder if Jonah's skin was bleached. Think about a man with bleached skin preaching 40 more days and then it will be overthrown. That would be effective, wouldn't it? But how do we know they believed? Not just heard, but really believed, and here's why. And when it says the Ninevites believed God, that word believed is the same believed that the Bible uses when it talks about Abraham. And Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. All right, now watch. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. All right, now, please hear me on this and understand this. What was it that brought about the revival? What was it that brought about the repentance? It wasn't Jonah. It was God's Word. Do you understand that? It's God's word that brought about it. I remember Wellington Boone telling me a, a story one time. He said, you know what? He said, I had this couple come in and they were bickering and arguing and I was counseling them. And finally, I just said to him, I said, okay, here's the deal. I want each of you every morning to read one chapter in God's word. And then before you go to bed, I want you to read one chapter together and come back and see me in 30 days. You know what? They never came back. 
You know why? Because they were in the Word of God, and the Word of God changed them. He quit worrying about her. She quit worrying about him. They started worrying about themselves, and the Word of God changed them. Some of you here today, the Word of God is working right now. And the Word of God is impressing something on your heart. Do not be disobedient, my friend. But know that God will give you the strength to do what that impression is telling you to do. But I want to tell you, remember what we said from the beginning. God is a God of second chances, but none of us are guaranteed a second chance. Maybe God's telling you, I love you. You've heard from so many people that you are worthless. I'm telling you, I love you. And now I want you to demonstrate your love for me. I want you to become my child. I died on the cross for you. I gave my life for you. Guess what? I demonstrated that for the whole world to see. Now I need you to demonstrate in front of others that you're mine. And then I'm calling you. Because in my calling you, I'm calling others. And your strength and your nerve is going to enable them to do what I'm calling them to do. You see, the king got off his throne, and when he got off his throne and took off all of his robes, he was relinquishing his throne. He was saying to everybody, I don't care about my throne. What I'm caring about is that the God of the universe, and the Bible actually means that when he's crying out to God, it's the same words that the king, or that the sailors used in chapter one. They're crying out to God. There's a revival going on in Assyria. And the Bible tells us even the animals are fasting. Now watch, we're almost done, I promise. Who knows, God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Man, you would think that there's a prophet of God, a wise man of God who's saying this, but this is from a Gentile. This is from someone who doesn't know who God is. But he's learning real fast. Look at this in the book of Joel. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing of grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. That's the God we serve. What if our president were to come on TV And to say, my fellow Americans, we've been going in the wrong direction. And all of this violence and all of this wickedness that is happening in our world, you know what? That's on me. That's on my administration. And you know what? We're going to do something different. Some of you may hear, may not agree with what I'm saying, but you know what? We need to get on our knees before God and we need to ask and beg for forgiveness. And who knows Maybe he'll forgive us. But here's what you need to hear. I don't care who the president is in the office. 
It's not just on this president. It's on every president as leaders of this great country that we have. Well, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. What would happen if you went to your school and maybe in your locker room or maybe in your classroom and you came in there and you said, hey guys, listen to me, 40 days and God's gonna overturn this school. People, they would laugh you right out of school, wouldn't they? But you know what, it's not on you, it's on the word of God. And so whatever God gives you to say, and it's always going to be done in love, say it through his power because the power comes in his word, not ours. Or what about at work? You go to work. Hey, listen, everybody, if we don't start turning around, man, we're headed in the wrong direction. Or let me say this. How about if you just started in your own family? And you just say, you know what, Lord? I haven't always been leading my family the way I need to lead. And I need to repent of that. I own it. And God, I am begging for your forgiveness. And I'm praying that whatever you had planned for us, maybe you would turn from that and you would bless us. But that's going to be based on not on what you hear, but on what you do. Take a look at this. When God saw, when God saw, when God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. What did he see? He saw changed hearts. I need a changed heart. Our church needs a changed heart. Some of you in here today, God is putting on your heart, it's time. I need to become your child. I've been putting this off. I've been disobedient, but no longer. Today, I want to become a child of God. Take a look at this. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I have planned. That's the God we serve. He's a God of second, a God of third, a God of fourth chances. All right, now let's look at this. But God demonstrates his own love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the God that we serve. And as long as we are here on this earth, we have time. We have time to repent. Somebody asked me in first service, why is it that God is holding back on his judgment? Well, Romans 2 tells us, right? It's his demonstration of kindness. But there is going to be a time when that kindness will run out and the judgment will come. All right, what can we learn from this? Here we go, number one. Repent, turn from your wicked ways, and receive God's mercy, okay? Look at this scripture verse. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all of his prophets, turn from your evil ways. Observe my commands and decrees in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey and that I delivered to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen, and they were as stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered ordered them, do not do as they do. And then finally this. We've got to make sure that we don't keep it to ourselves. 
when I showed you that short video of Itao, of all the natives, do you remember when they came to know and understand who Jesus was? Remember the big party they had? You know what they did next? Somebody came to the head, to the missionary, and said, we need to go to the next tribe and tell them what we learned. And that's the way the gospel works. God has called us at Central Community Church to be watchmen. The job of the watchman is to stand on the wall and to warn the people of danger. We are the conscience of this nation. And when we see that danger, we are to warn them. If we don't warn them, their blood will be on us. However, if we warn them and they don't choose to follow, their blood is not on us because we are simply doing what God has asked us to do. My dear friends in Christ, there are people in this world There are people in this nation. There are people in this state. There are people in this community. There are people in this room that are depending on us to be the watchman on the wall. And what does that mean? It means that in this place and wherever we will go, we are to know Christ and we are to make him known. And when we have done that, we will hear these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know in this room there are someone's life that you are working on in a major way. It's true, salvation has come to this place. It is my prayer that as the spirit of the living God is speaking even now to their heart, that right after this service that they would go right out into the grand foyer and they would go to the starting point and they would ask the questions that are on their hearts. And I'm praying, God, for boldness and courage for them. I'm praying that they would be obedient. And God, our promise is we will celebrate not the messenger, but we will celebrate the message, the word of God that has done what you have promised it to do. Father, I pray today, we all needed this word from you. We all need to repent and turn from our wicked ways. Now, God, see the work that we are doing, how we are repenting, and you're seeing the fruit of our repentance. And God, forgive our sin and heal our land. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Would you please stand? Receive the power that you need to go out and to do his will. And be excited because somebody's life was changed today for eternity. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.